Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We are live at Twin Peaks, Buckhead location, hanging out. It's been a busy, busy show. Hawks back in action tonight against the Cavaliers. Steve Coonan, Hawks CEO, came on. Was an interesting conversation, to say the least. If you want to go check it out, Please do at odyssey.com, and you can go hear what the CEO had to say to us about Trey Young not addressing the media the first couple of days and what he had to say about Nate McMillan being removed as the head coach. Chris Mannix is a guy that I absolutely love. He's been doing this a long time. He covers the NBA from a national perspective. He's the best boxing guy out there. We love having having him on with the big fights. And a snappy dresser. That too. Senior writer, Sports Illustrated, uh, si.com. Chris Mannix, man, I'm curious, what is the national perspective and the view of what's been going on with the Hawks, with the the, the firing of Travis Slink, the hiring of, you know, now uh, what is a new Landry Fields, the new general manager, and promoting him, and now they're in the process of looking for a new coach, which everybody thinks is Quinn Snyder. I don't know if you have any insight to that, but what's the perspective on the Hawks right now? Yeah, as far as, as Quinn goes, from what I've been told, it is, Definitely progressing in that direction um, where they're in some of the final stages here of of getting a deal done involving Quinn Snyder. And look, Quinn is a highly qualified head coach. His time in Utah you know, came to an end, but look, he had a long run there, a successful run, and he's very well regarded for his play calling, um, you know, kind of the things he's able to to do with ball movement offensively and his teams thanks in large part to Rudy Gobert have been great defensive teams right. over the years so it's it's a solid solid hire uh for the Hawks but they they are very much a team I don't want to say disarray at this point but they're a team with a lot of questions I mean the front office is entirely new basically this year um you know and the roster is built around a guy in Trey Young who who really hasn't proven yet that he, you know, can be the number one guy on a contending team. So, you know, I think Quinn is is a solid move because he's a very good NBA head coach. But he's the first of several things need to happen for the Hawks to get, you know, back to a contending level. We always thought, you know, in the NBA at this late in the game it would just be an interim coach. So it's kind of a bold move, isn't it? Bringing a guy he won't have his own staff. Obviously, Chris, there's no time to do that. No, he'll have to kind of take over on the fly and, and make it work with the guys that are there. It's not unprecedented necessarily. I mean, it was just a couple of years ago, Chris Finch took over in Minnesota 
and he was an active assistant at the time on the Toronto staff. So, you know, you, you occasionally do see teams make full-time hires right away. And now if you're the Hawks, you, you probably want to get ahead of what could be a bidding war for Quinn, right. Quinn Snyder at the end of the year. There figures to be, you know, anywhere from five to seven or eight, you know, head coaching openings uh, in the offseason. And Quinn Snyder most certainly wouldn't have been at the top of the list of, of a number of teams that were, were interviewing. So by moving now, you know, Atlanta kind of was able to do, you know, quite frankly what at the time uh, the Nets were trying to do with Ime Udoka, which is, you know, get the head coach they wanted under contract sooner rather than later. Chris Mannix, our guest, guys. We're talking NBA. Um, the best team in the East is Boston, right? I mean, the Bucks are right there. I saw the 76ers last night, you know, come from behind and, and beat Memphis at home and, you say, all right, can Embiid and the Beard put it together? But hands down, right, it's Boston. Everybody's gunning for. Well, it, it, it's the Celtics, you know, record-wise for sure. But if you ask people in Boston, there's there's certainly a lot of trepidation about, you know, playing Milwaukee and the front line that the Bucks can throw at them. I mean, the, the Celtics went out the trade deadline, and they got Mike Muscala. Um, and they were in the in the hunt for Jakob Pertl, the the big man that was in San Antonio that eventually went to Toronto. They, they are, are very nervous about, you know, playing an oft-injured Rob Williams and a 36-year-old Al Horford against the front line of Brooke Lopez, Giannis Tendekumpo, Bobby Portis, and, and others. So, yeah, look, the Celtics right now are, are the head of the class, but, you know, as it is in the Western Conference, there's a lot of parity where I think you're going to see, you know, multiple teams in the 4 through 8 range win first-round series against teams in the 1-4 to four range. That's how good I think that both conferences are depth-wise and how much competitive balance there is right now in the NBA. Chris, we got to play in a crazy winning clip. Chris Mannix, by the way, from SI, best hoops guy in town, joins us here on the WaitFor.com hotline. We are right now third or three and a half behind the heat. That's a seven, and we're, uh, we're racing looking at the Knicks. You think we could get to the six seed? We were doing the math. we got to play like a 75% winning percentage to get there. I mean, team hasn't played like that all year, so I don't, I don't know what would, would change that um, at this point. Um, you know, there's going to be – a learning curve with the new coach. Obviously, Quinn's not going to come in and try to install exactly what he did in Utah. It's a very different team right. that Quinn Snyder had in Utah. But, you know, there is going to be an adjustment period as this team tries to learn how to play the way Quinn Snyder wants them to play. Sometimes teams do get a bounce when, you know, the coach, his voice just wasn't resonating anymore. I mean, you know, it, it, the writing's been on the wall for well over a month now that, whether it was now or the end of this season, you know, this was going to be Nate McMillan's last ride with, with Atlanta. Um, you know, could the Hawks get, you know, kind of use this as kind of a springboard to get a new voice, new philosophies, fresh energy? You know, that's certainly possible. But this roster is still a flawed one. Uh, they've still they've been battling injury issues of different kinds all season long. And I, I don't know. I, I think they'll, they'll be a play-in team. That's for sure. But the sixth seed, to me, seems like uh, a bit of a stretch. And just as a follow-up, Chris, we thought when we got DeJounte Murray that Trey would move without the ball. Carl's pointed out, ball-dominant guys are ball-dominant guys. How do you make this two-guard attack work? Because we thought Trey would get more open looks. His assists are up, but the three-point shooting's been down. I mean, I think if nothing else, you've got to commit to it. And you've got to be willing to 
to change and adapt. I mean, a good example of players that did uh, is in Cleveland, where Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland, two high-usage-rate players, guys used to playing with the ball in their hands, well, they were committed from day one to making it work together, and they have since day one. I mean, Mitchell is an all-star, all-NBA. Garland wasn't an all-star. If you look at his numbers, they're actually better than what they were last season. So, you know, they found a way to make it work in part because they were committed to making it work. Not to say that DeJounte and Trey don't want to make it work. Sometimes you've just got to you've got to adapt and you've got to find ways to, to make it work opposite a guy that is next to you that plays in, in kind of a similar manner. And, and that was the concern for the team coming in. I mean, you know, both these guys were ball dominant. You know, could they coexist? And they've certainly had their moments, but they haven't thrived, I think, in, in the way that the Hawks, I hope they would. No doubt about it. I want to ask you uh, about the Western Conference. You know, the Lakers make a deal. I do think they're better. Um, are they, uh, uh, you know, a top-ten team? Are they in the play-in tournament? But you look at the West, and you see Phoenix with Durant. The Kings have been a pleasant surprise. The Nuggets right now with Joker, I mean, he can win his third MVP, which is crazy, Chris. I just – the West is loaded. And I guess what I'm asking you is, you know, for all the talk the Grizzlies have, have, have talked – I don't know if they're the best team in the West. Yeah, no, Memphis, I, I think, has a lot of problems. I mean, they they don't play particularly well in the half court. They don't shoot the three all that well, and I'm not sure that, you know, Luke Kennard coming in is going to solve all those problems. And they don't defend the three particularly well. They're a great defensive team overall, but if you look at the defensive three-point numbers, uh, they're not great. This is why I'm say, I've, I've said that, I do think there's going to be a team in the bottom half or multiple teams in the bottom half of the bracket that's going to win. I mean, take the Lakers. You watched them play last night. They have a roster that works. And when LeBron James is playing at a high level, when Anthony Davis is playing at a high level, that might be the best team in the Western Conference. And right now they're outside the play-in looking in. So if they get into the postseason as a 7 or 8 seed, I think they're going to beat whoever's in front of them in the first round, whether it's Denver uh, whether it's uh, Memphis or whether it's a, a team like Sacramento. Uh, same thing can be said for the Clippers. I mean, the Clippers are a little bit more dysfunctional at the moment because, I mean, they're the team bringing in Russell Westbrook, not the one sending him out. But they still have Kawhi, they still have Paul George, and they still have a boatload of experience and good players on that roster. So it's going to be a wild postseason. I mean, it is statistically, in terms of record, the the most competitive the league has ever been, not in five years, ten years, ever, in the history of the NBA. Uh, and I think that's going to be reflected in the postseason with some great series and some upset. It is Chris Maddox, guys, from SI here on the WaitFor.com. We're live at uh, Twin Peaks, guys, in Buckhead. Chris, uh, that, when the Nets imploded, uh, will, will Kyrie, I know he's very kind of vague about it, you think Kyrie will stay in Dallas? Because, I mean, that's an unbelievable backcourt. I don't know. I mean, Kyrie's going to follow the money. And that's what he's done throughout his career. I mean, make no mistake, he he asked out of Brooklyn not because of some kind of issue he had with the front office or behind-the-scenes stuff that he's been vague about. He wanted, you know, three-plus years of max money, and the Nets said no. It's as simple as that. Um, and because it's easier to get that kind of contract with another team having his bird rights, that's why he went to Dallas and is probably hoping the Mavericks you know, see him as a good fit next to Luca. give him a three-plus-year max-level contract. If they don't, um, you know, he'll look to the Lakers. He might look to Phoenix. He'll look elsewhere for that uh, for that bottom dollar. But 
look, the Mavericks, you know, they want this Kyrie stuff to work. They gave up a first-round pick for him. They gave up Dorian Finney-Smith for him. But at the same time, like, if Kyrie walks, they've got a little cap flexibility. They can also do a sign-and-trade with Kyrie Irving to bring something significant back in return. So they're not completely decimated if Kyrie decides to walk away. But, you know, both these sides right now are hoping that it's a long-term fit. All right, bro. First and foremost, how do I get some of this FanDuel money? I mean, you're blowing up. I mean, you're doing all this boxing stuff presented by FanDuel. you got the crossover with you and Howard Beck. Uh, the fight just announced, by the way, Mike Tank is going to fight again. Uh, he's been crushing it, and we know this. And I just want to ask you why we have you on, because Chris Mannix is the best boxing guy in the business. He's fighting Ryan Garcia. It's going to happen April 22nd. And then what's up with the heavyweight division? Because we had our man, you know, uh, bomb squad on a couple of months ago, and he's like, hey, he's feeling good. Like, he's going to get back in the mix. Where are we at right now with Javante, and what's going on in the heavyweight division? Well, Javante and Tank is a done deal. I mean, that's going to happen, as you said, on the 22nd. And they were trending in this direction for really several months now. It's just been a little complicated to close the deal because you have two rival promoters. You have two different networks. Everyone has to be on the same page, and everyone has to be satisfied with the deal points. But, uh, you know, kudos to them for, for coming together and making this happen because this is, you know, one of, if not the biggest fight that can be made in 2023. I mean, it, it's a massive showdown between two huge punchers who have two significant fan bases who are very different. I mean, Ryan has kind of that Instagram crowd. You know, Tank Davis sells out arenas all over the U.S. Um, right. it, it's going to be a major event. So I'm glad they got it done. And to me, it's first guy that lands big is the one that wins in that fight. The heavyweight division, look, it's, it's basically European all over again. I mean, Deontay right. Wilder is, is excellent, but... No, Tyson Fury is the man. Anthony Joshua is still popular and is going to begin kind of his comeback on April 1st. Now, for Deontay Wilder, you've got to find a way to stay busy and stay active. Uh, he's got a, a ordered fight against Andy Ruiz. That's a terrific fight. Now he needs to find someone to pay for it. I mean, it, it, it's <laughs> a fight where both guys, you know, both guys are going to demand right. you know, $5 million per fight, and right. nobody's putting that kind of money up. Like, you can do a pay-per-view, but... You better be ready to, to reap the results of the pay-per-view if it's not good. So I, yeah. uh, this is kind of a problem that we've got in boxing at the moment, have had for years, where fighters all want to be on pay-per-view, but they want big guarantees before they go on paper. How it should work is right. if you go on pay-per-view, you get 90% of the revenue, but you don't get a nickel, if, uh, a nickel more than you deserve. I mean, I don't right. see how promoters right. and networks need to foot the bill for losses if if these fights are unsuccessful. And pay-per-view numbers, guys, they have been in a free fall. Deontay Wilder's last fight reportedly did about 75,000 pay-per-views. That's nothing wow. in the pay-per-view yeah. business. You can't ask wow. for $5 million if you're only selling like $1 million worth of pay-per-view. It's a great point. I mean, Chris, I know that COVID knocked everything out of the box, but it just seemed like we were ready for the Fury-Joshua fight, yeah. and I didn't need to see another Wilder fight, if I'm honest. No, and, you know, it, it was well, – look, Wilder had the contractual right to that third fight, and he exercised it, and you can't blame a guy for doing that. He made a lot of money, and, look, that was an excellent fight. I mean, that was probably the best of the three fights, with Fury going down twice in that fourth round and Wilder hanging on until the 11th. The problem was Anthony Joshua probably never should have taken the Alexander Usyk fight. I mean, he probably should have <laughs> taken an easier fight, 
and, you know, gone and waited for Fury to finish with Deontay Wilder. Instead, he fought Usyk once, he lost, fought Usyk again, he lost. And now he's in a position where he needs probably two low to mid-level fights beginning April 1st uh, before he can get back into that, that world title picture. So, yeah, I mean, the, the, the Wilder-Fury stuff gummed it up most certainly, but I think he still can be resuscitated. If Fury winds up beating Asuna Usyk in uh, April or May, and Joshua wins a couple of fights before the end of the summer, end of the year, Fury-Joshua is still a massive event, and it could be for the undisputed heavyweight title. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Uh, 